All right. Well, today is the big day, right? Amen. We're changing the name of our church today, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, before we dive into that, I want to let you know about something that's really awesome that's going on this week. Uh, we're sending over 70 students and leaders to a Christ in Youth conference this coming week. Uh, yeah. And so uh, we are going to ask you guys to partner in prayer with us. This is a huge week uh, for these kids. Um, statistically speaking, most people who accept Christ accept Christ in their younger years as teenagers. And so uh, I went to these conferences growing up. They're powerful. They helped form me. It's where I learned how to worship uh, God. It's where I first heard God's voice. Just powerful, powerful stuff. Powerful preaching, powerful worship. They have small groups times. Last year, we had 15 students give their lives to Christ and get baptized at CIY, which was just phenomenal. And so a lot of, a lot of that, I believe, was uh, due to our amazing leaders, but also the prayer that is involved. And so uh, we are going to ask you guys to partner with us in prayer this week uh, for these kids and for the leaders. And so as you leave today, there's going to be these little uh, key tags that are at the info center as you go out. Uh, there's close to 80 of them because it's all the students and, and leaders have one of these. And on the back of this key tag, it's got, it says, I'm praying for, and it's got a blank space, and it's got the name of a student or leader. Uh, and you can pray for them all week. There's prayer promptings on the CIY website, which is on here. So if you're, if you're like, man, what do I pray over? There's promptings for every single day. Pray for them today. They leave tomorrow. Pray for them every day. Pray for them when they get back. Uh, we're really looking forward to the spiritual fruit that's going to come out of this week. Last, last year, I got the name tag of a student, and I prayed for him all week, and he accepted Christ and got baptized. So I'm one for one. All right? <laughs> So uh, I got a, a leader's name this year, so I, I'm pretty sure he's already uh, accepted Christ and been baptized. So, uh, so I'll be praying wisdom and a whole lot of other things over Adam. And so, yeah, so we're praying for him. Get your name tag at the end of the service, and we so look forward. We'll probably be sharing next week what God did uh, at CIY this week. So with that being said, today is the day. Uh, we're changing the name of our church. If you're new with us today, you might be thinking to yourself, why are you changing the name of your church? And I talked a few weeks ago about how God, our God is a name-changing God. He sometimes changes people's names, and it's, it's a very, very, very significant thing when God does this. And I'm just going to blame it all on him. It was all God's idea, and, uh, and we kind of ran with it from there. Um, but we started this church about a little over eight years ago. And it's been quite a journey. We started in a house around here in a living room with eight people. And we've just grown from there. And God's done so much. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to faith. We've celebrated over 400 baptisms as Resonance Church. Um, we forgot to mention that. I didn't realize our last baptisms we had, we went over 400. It's like, oh, that's amazing. But I didn't know that till later. So God knows, right? There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, and it's mine. Wow, most of y'all didn't grow up in church. Anyways, make me feel like a fool singing Southern Gospel over here. <laughs> but we've seen God do so much, and uh, we're so, so pumped. And I want to take a moment before we dive into what we're changing to and why we're doing that. And I just want to honor everything and everyone that was ever Resonance Church. Um, and so I want to thank every single person that ever helped start Resonance Church, those eight people in the living room and their kids, and uh, the 20 or so people that came soon after that, Mama Alice doing kids ministry in the bedroom. We just lock them in there, and they're like, don't come out until we're done. And I mean, they're dressing up like Bible characters and doing all kinds of fun stuff because of her heart and passion put into that. And that's how we started. And I want to take a moment and thank every one of those people. I want to take a moment and thank every single person who has ever attended Resonance Church, every single person that's ever given financially to help start and sustain the ministry of Resonance Church, every single person that's ever prayed for Resonance Church. I want to thank you, whether you go here or not, whether you're watching online. Uh, I, I know a few people that tell me often when I, whenever I talk to them, they don't go to church there, and they say, I pray for you in your church every single day. And I'm like, well, take it. <laughs> we need it. Keep it up. And so... 
thank you, thank you, thank you so much to anyone who's ever uh, poured into or been a part of Resonance Church. We honor you today. If you were ever saved or baptized or set free or healed as a part of Resonance Church, I want, I want to tell you something. We belong to a kingdom. You're not baptized into a particular church family. You're baptized into the body of Christ. You belong to Jesus. The devil can never take away any of the fruit that was ever you know, done through Resonance Church. And we celebrate that today. And so um, the Lord has been showing us, though, that it's time to transition. It's, we're changing our name, and there's so much meaning in that. And so I, I don't want to just tell you the name. I, I want to tell you the story of why we're changing our name and, and what that's, how God really uh, brought that into being. Um, so it was about a year and a half ago. It was January 19th of 2021. It was a Tuesday morning, and I was in pretty much one of the most difficult seasons of my life. We were, we were coming out of the COVID season as a church family. We had just been meeting back together in person in our building for just a few months. Uh, we had a few key staff members resign, uh, beloved staff members who also happened to be some of my best friends. And it was just like, that was personally really, really, really difficult for me personally. It was also just a difficult leadership time in our church. And so on this particular Tuesday morning, uh, I, could, I couldn't sleep that night. I laid in bed till about three and I was laying there and I was like, well, I might as well get up and go get something done and just, just go without sleep tonight. And, uh, and so I drove into the office and on my drive into the office, I was praying and I knew when I got there, I was going to dive into my devotion, spend some time with God, and then, and then get about my day. And so I was kind of prepping for that, and I was really feeling distraught, you know, if I'm honest, you know. And, and you can be honest with God, by the way. Go read the Psalms. Most of them are like, distraught, my life is over, where are you, God, how long, why so downcast within me, I could go on. And so I was having one of those days, and I was like, Lord, I was praying to him, real passionate, and I was like, Lord, I need you to speak to me today. You ever raise your voice at God and not fear the lightning bolt hitting you, you know? I was like, Lord, I need you to speak to me today. And I was like, I don't mean this, I think it might have been God type of stuff. I need you to speak to me today, and I need to know it's you. God, this is your church. My life is your life. You're my leader. I need you to tell me what to do in this season. I need some guidance, and I need it now. I need it today. And I, that's, that's how I prayed. I, it was a lot louder than that, but I got a microphone, so I don't want to blow you out. But I got into the office, and I start with my devotion, as always. And I was in a reading, Bible reading program, right? Bible in a year, you know, January. I was into Exodus, right? And I was starting in Exodus 4. I read through Exodus chapter 6 that day. And if you're unfamiliar with that story, basically God calls Moses to go set his people free from slavery in Egypt. And so Moses goes. God gives him power to do signs and, and miracles and uh, tells him what to say and tells him how it's going to go. And he gets in there and he tells the people, hey, I've got good news. I'm your deliverer. I'm like your savior. And God sent me and he's setting you free. And we're, we're going to go out to this promised land. It's going to be great. And you're not going to be in slavery anymore. It's going to be amazing. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, right? And so uh, the people at first thought it sounded good. They're like, sounds great. And it says they all received him and they worshiped God. They had a little worship service. Like, God, this is just great. Oh, God. You ever, you ever have God tell you things prophetically into your own spirit or other people pray over you? You're like, oh, oh, I have such a great calling in life. Oh, he has good plans for me. But it's like specific and you're just like, oh, God, you're what? And you know it's God. It's just amazing. That was the experience they had. It was amazing. God's going to set us free. And then Pharaoh was like, no, he's not. <laughs> Bricks without straw, get back to work. And their lives got a lot more difficult. And so what they started doing was they complained to Moses and they said, hey, you said Moses or God is gonna set us free. And so Moses did what any good leader would do. He turned to God and said, hey, you said you're gonna set these people free. What's up with that? What's up with this bricks without straw? Their lives are more difficult now that I'm here telling them what you told me to tell them. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 5. It says, then Moses, starting in verse 22, this is the Amplified Bible, by the way, because that's the version I was reading that day. 
It says, then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, oh Lord, why have you brought harm and oppression to this people? Look at your neighbor and tell him harm and oppression. Harm and oppression. Why did you ever send me? Anybody who's ever been in full-time ministry or been a missionary will at one point pray that question to God. Why did you ever send me here? I cannot understand your purpose. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has harmed and oppressed this people. (laughs) I love this statement to God. And you have done nothing at all to rescue your people. He's just like, I'm going to get the jabs in on God while I can, you know. You've done nothing at all to rescue your people. God, you're not doing what you said you were going to do. When I read that verse, the Holy Spirit gripped my heart. And he spoke to me very clearly that day. And he said, one of the signs of God's coming freedom or breakthrough is greater harm and oppression from the enemy. Because the enemy sees, when he sees the And here's the man of God whom God has sent to deliver the people by God's word and vision. The enemy ups his attacks of oppression and harm to try to discourage and disrupt what God is doing. And so because I'm a preacher, that really encouraged me. And I wrote in my journal, are you struggling being oppressed and facing difficulty like never before, be encouraged. It is likely a sign the enemy fears what God is preparing to do in your life. I get the feeling some people in here have been through some harm and oppression and I don't know, the past year or two. Like how many would you in here would say you've went through one of the most difficult seasons of your life or are currently going through it in the past year or, or two? Wow, that's about 50% of the people in this room. I want you to be encouraged today. Harm and oppression, we tend to receive it as, oh, what am I doing wrong? Sometimes harm and oppression increases because you're doing everything right. You're doing what God has called you to do. And the enemy starts trembling, so he starts trying to harm and oppress to get you to back off of God's calling. And so when I... Read that that morning, I was like, whoa, it totally shocked me. It flipped my perspective. Because you have to understand, up until that moment in my office that morning, January 19, 2021, I was looking at all the harm and oppression. I was looking at all the, the bad things going wrong in our church. And I was, I was internalizing it. I was like, surely it's my fault. Surely there's something wrong that I've been doing. You know what? I bet I'm the problem. You know what? Maybe I should quit. Then everyone else will stay because maybe I'm just such a bad leader and that's why everybody's leaving and all this stuff's happening. And God flipped my perspective that morning and was like, Aaron, what if all this is happening because you are doing exactly what I've called you to do? And I was like, ooh. Mm. So I kept reading Exodus 6, 1 through 7. It says, then the Lord answers Moses. Now it's God's turn to speak. He said, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion, I like that part, under compulsion, he will not only let them go, but under compulsion, he will drive them out of his land. Under compulsion means I'm about to do something powerful to force the enemy to free my people. I like that. Verse 2, it says, Then God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah God, I am, I did not make myself known to them. In Acts, And great miracles. He's saying to Moses, hey Moses, I don't know if you know this, but your ancestors who who taught you about who I am, they didn't know me like you do. I'm doing something special in your life. I have drawn you nearer to me than any human being has ever been before. I spoke my precious name. I am in your presence. I didn't do that with them. I'm about to do things in and through your life the world has never seen before. 
That's what God's telling him. And I'm just here to tell you, the greater the calling on your life, the greater the attack of the enemy you're going to face. Because he's trying to stop what God is doing. And so God's encouraging him. And he says, verse 4, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as strangers. And I have also heard their groaning of the sons, heard the groaning of the sons of Israel, whom the Egyptians have enslaved. And I have faithfully remembered my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying, Moses, I haven't forgotten my promise. He's actually referring to his promise to Abraham. He told Abraham, I want you to be aware of this. Your descendants are going to be enslaved in a country not their own for 400 years. Well, guess what? It's been 400 years. And God's like, hey, I haven't forgotten. I've heard their groans. I know what's going on. And now it is time. In verse 6, he says, therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians And I will free you from their bondage. Look at your neighbor and tell them, God will free you. I will free you from their bondage, he said. I will redeem and rescue you with an outstretched, vigorous, powerful arm and with great acts of judgment. The word outstretched means he's going to do some some powerful displays of of his power to bring this about. And then verse 7, he says, then I will take you for my people. And I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who redeemed you and brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. When I read verse 6 that morning and God said, I will free you. I will free you from their bondage. Holy Spirit, grip my heart. Stop me in my tracks. And I just stopped. It's hard to explain this spiritual experience, but it happens to me quite a bit when God speaks to me. It's like if you're with a friend and you're driving in a car and they, they go, if they do that, what do you know? Oh, you're about to say something. Yes. And I can't explain it, but that's what it's like when God grips my heart. I'm like, oh, wait, whom? oh, he's leaning in. And I'm like, it's coming. He's about to say something. And that's what happened in that moment. I read that verse, I will free you, and I stopped, and I was like, ooh, this is pregnant. Something's about to to happen. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and he said, Aaron, the name of your church is the free people. I'm glad you cheered. That makes me feel real good. It really does. But I'm telling you that morning when he said that, I went, huh? <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, no, uh, no, it's, no it's not. <laughs> and I at first thought it was a spiritual metaphor. Like, you're, you're free. And, but I felt pulled by the spirit. There's more. There's more. And I kept reading. And when I hit that verse, he said, then I'll take you for my people. And the Holy Spirit gripped me again and stopped me in my tracks. And he said, Aaron, my people are free people. And I sat there, I was like, what is happening right now? Because let me tell you something. When the crap's hitting the fan, you got a greater workload because people are quitting on you, the last thing you want to do is change the name of your organization. There's a reason we've been working on this for a year, because it took a year. And I sat there and I was like, surely this is spiritual and I'll really pray into it, Lord. And as I did, I realized, no, he was just saying very practically, I'm changing your name. And I thought, God, why are you doing this? And I realized later, because that particular morning I was going, God, help me with this. Look at this situation. Look how bad. I mean, bricks without straw. Look, look down here. And oh, look at this. God, look at this. And God goes, lift up your eyes, son, and look out there to the future. You're free. That's who you are. Get your focus off of what you're going through right now and look up. And I was like, whoa. And so I I still didn't like the work side of it. (laughs) I was like, maybe. (laughs) 
Maybe that was God. And so I sat on it for a few months and ended up telling a few months later our, our staff and leadership. I said, guys, I just got to tell you, I had this experience with God. Here, here's the experience. I think maybe we're supposed to change the name of our church. And I know that's a big deal. And I'm not fully sure why yet, but would you all pray into this with me? And so we took about two, three months. We all just processed it and prayed over it. And a year ago, in July of 2021, we had a big vision advance day. Uh, You know, some churches do staff retreat. We did a vision advance. We don't retreat, all right? We advance. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And so... We had a vision advance day. We talked about all this, and we're like, are we doing this? And by the end of that day, we were like, the Lord is leading us to change the name of our church. And so I'm very honored and happy and excited to tell you today that the new name of our church is Free People Church. Yes. free people. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's both our identity and it's our mandate. We are free in Christ and we help set others free. And so we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about what this means, our identity, vision, values as a church, what it means to be free in Christ and how we're called to set other people free. But the rest of today, I just want to talk to you about this concept of freedom in scripture. Because I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me that day. It kind of put that lens of freedom over my eyes. And as I began to read scripture, especially the the New Testament, but it's, it's really both, freedom is all over the place. In fact, I realized that freedom was the mission and mandate of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter four, Jesus is starting his ministry. He had been baptized by John. The Holy Spirit ascended on him as a dove. He went out or descended on him as a dove. He went out to the wilderness where he was tempted and tried for 40 days. He was being prepared for ministry, right? He comes out of the wilderness in the power of God, in the power of God. He goes into Nazareth to preach his first sermon in the place where he grew up. And he's like, this is it. This is what I was born for. I left heaven to come to this moment. And he opens up the scroll. It says to the place in Isaiah where it is written. And this is Isaiah chapter 61. And he read these verses. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me. Why did he send you, Jesus? He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says he rolled the scroll back up and he sat down and he looked at him. And then he said this. I tell you, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, Isaiah wrote that 700 years before we all were born. But I'm telling you, today, it's coming to fruition. Today, it's happening. And I'm telling you today. This is a special day. This church has been marked for the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit is coming to anoint us Mm -hmm. in power to proclaim freedom, to set the oppressed free. Now, I don't know how you feel about that today, but it doesn't bother me too much if you're not sure. Because Jesus got done with his first sermon and they all wanted to stone him. I think maybe after he rose from the dead, they repented. (laughs) So it's all right if you're uneasy about this name change. It has been confirmed. This is what God has called us to do. Jesus' mission, his mandate, the whole reason he came from heaven was to proclaim freedom. Freedom is possible. Freedom is possible. Freedom is possible. 
and then to bring freedom, to set the oppressed free. Man, it's all throughout Scripture. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's the whole reason Jesus came to this earth. Galatians 5 verse 1 says it this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God wants you and I to experience the fullness of his freedom in this life. Not just one day in heaven. Here, now, the fullness of his freedom. That's what he wants. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. What are we set free from? I'm going to say three broad categories. Sin, strongholds, and self. Sin, strongholds, and self. Romans chapter 8. Paul is writing, actually in chapter 7, he's wrestling with himself. He says, man, the things I want to do, the good things I know I should do, I can't do. And the things I don't want to do, man, these I keep doing. He's wrestling with his flesh. He's wrestling with himself. He's wrestling with sin. He wrote in another place, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. He's wrestling with all this in this life that we live, in this world where there's a battle going on. We live in a world at war. And until you realize that, you'll never understand what prayer is for. He says in Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2, Therefore, he says, man, what a wretched man I am at the end of chapter 7. Who will save me from this body of death? Praise be to Jesus Christ, right? He sets me free. And listen to what he says, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now, right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There are spiritual laws that govern this universe. God set it all up. There are two kingdoms, light and darkness, God and Satan. And listen, it's one side or the other. If you're like, well, I don't really believe in God, then you're buying into the greatest deception known to man, and that's to worship yourself. Remember Genesis 3? You can be like God. There's two kingdoms, light and dark. And until, unless and until you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, and you humble yourself and come under his lordship, Let me tell you something. You are living under the law of sin and death. Jesus lived a perfect life we couldn't live. He offered that life as a propitiation, an exchange, a payment for our sin debt to God. Because God is the moral judge of the universe. He is the definition of morality. When you sin, it's like in America, you break the law, you go to jail. In life... You sin, you break God's law, you owe him. Justice is coming for you. We all will be judged. It is appointed for a man to die once and then face the judgment. And there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to escape a judgment that will separate you from God forever. And it's through Jesus Christ. He's the only name under heaven by which we're saved. And so he died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave, proving himself to be God. He bought back man's authority on the earth. Mm, I don't have time to talk about that. That's a big deal right there. He says, now all power and authority has been given to me. I thought God had all power and authority. Who had it before? He gave the earth to man. He said, fill the earth and subdue it, meaning rule over it. God, the earth in the world is the Lord's and everything in it. It's, it belongs to him. He gave it to us to rule over in his stead. And when we sinned, we gave our power and authority to Satan. And that's why Satan is the prince of the air, ruling over this earth, doing what he wants, having his way among anybody who is still living for themselves. And so Jesus bought back our authority And he's so gracious and good. He says, hey, all authority has been given to me. Now, go make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Why? Because the world is in slavery to sin, sickness, death, disease, depression, anxiety, worry. 
And it's just a holding cell for eternal separation from God that's far worse than any of that. And Jesus said, I came to set you free from all of it. So what's he set us free from? The law of the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. Sin, strongholds, and self. He sets us free from sin. That's, of course, things we do morally wrong that aren't good. We, we have the power in Christ to overcome our sin and not live in it any, any longer. Amen? It's an empowering grace to overcome the sin in your life. The things that you do that nobody knows about, that you feel bad about, and you're like, oh, I hate, I, you hate that you do it. Christ can empower you to overcome it. Sin. And the law of sin and death. Why death? Death is the full fruition of sin. The full consequence. What's in the middle there? Sin or sickness, disease leads to death, right? How did sickness and disease get into this world? Sin. And we have a spiritual enemy who likes to amplify that and make it a lot worse and oppress us with it. And so Jesus gives us power and authority to overcome sin and its effects, sickness and disease. Even death itself sets us free from all those things. He sets us free from strongholds. What's that? The power of the enemy. Spiritual oppression, but also strongholds being places in you where you believe the enemy rather than God. And he has power in your life. You can be a Christian and have a stronghold in your life. You can be a Christian on your way to heaven and not be fully free because you're still believing some lies of the enemy. And Jesus came to set us free from all that. Sin, strongholds, and self. Jesus came to set you free from your self. Why? <laughs> Man, you're, you are your own worst enemy. Can you just admit that? I admit that all the time to God. I'm my own worst enemy. Why? Because if I got free of myself, if I deny myself, took up my cross and followed him, if I didn't live for myself but to please him, I wouldn't stumble into sin. And the enemy only has power over you and me that we allow him to have in Christ. He only has power that we give him. One of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem, in this nation, in Christianity, and in this nation in general, is self-love, self-will, self-idolatry. All these cultural issues that churches are debating over. Like, why is there a debate? We read the scriptures. It's not about what you think or I think. His thoughts are not our thoughts. What's this? Well, I just think stuff. That's you setting yourself above God. Self-idolatry. And you, well, I believe in Jesus, though. You just have a golden calf and you call it Jesus. It's not Jesus. Deny yourself. Confess him as what? Friend? That's a whole other sermon, but I got news for you. We're all Christians. We might be all Christians here. We're not all his friends. God showed me that a few years ago. (laughs) What do you want, Aaron? What do you want? What do you want? I want friendship with you. It was after three years of walking with him and serving him. He said, I no longer call you servants. Now I call you friends. (sighs) What do you want in life? Just want God to give you something? Just want to get out of jail free card? Get out of hell free card? Or do you want him? I got news for you. Definition of heaven is him. Heaven is not like a place that you get to go to and like God might be there or not. Heaven is defined by God's presence and so is hell. God doesn't torture people in hell. He's not there. That's what makes it hell. And he gives you what you choose on this earth. And G.K. Chesterton said, hell is God's great compliment to human free will. Because if God annihilated you, if you didn't choose him, he would be devaluing your choice. 
So because he made you to be an eternal being and because he values your choice, he will give you what you choose in this life for eternity. If you choose him, you get him for eternity. If you choose yourself, you got yourself removed of all the blessings, favor, protection of God for eternity. And it will be hell. Didn't plan on saying all that. That's not in my notes. I don't fear death as much as I fear hell. What's a little pain and suffering and then this body's done with? Now my soul's got to die forever. That's the second death when you're thrown in the lake of fire. Wake up. Don't fear the people who persecute you to try to separate you from God. Fear the one who after killing you can throw your body into hell, your soul into hell. Jesus is talking about himself because the fathers made him the judge. We don't talk about this side of Jesus, do we? After he heals the invalid of 38 years, being crippled, he goes and finds him and he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. But if I stood up before you and said, hey, y'all need to stop sinning or something bad might happen to you. Oh, oh, this church would, would be cut in half in a week. I'm just quoting Jesus. We have to get back to the Bible. This is our problem. Do we need the scriptures that encourage us and pat our bottoms? Or do we need the scriptures that challenge us and go, this, you need to work on this. <laughs> we need both. I got to get back to the notes. Woo, we'll be here all day. We'll be here all day. So Jesus came to set us free from all that. Came to set you free from the fear of God's judgment. Because when you know him and you know that you know him and you're fully surrendered and you're like, I've, <laughs> it's like when he preached about eating me, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and then everybody leaves. And then he's like, he looks at his disciples and goes, you guys want to leave too? And Peter goes, where are we going to go? We've left everything for you. You have the words of life. What was he saying? I made my choice. I made my choice. I made my choice. I don't care what comes. I made my choice. I'm with you, Jesus. Which means it's your way, not my way. Which means if you go, hey, you need to repent of that and change, then I do. That simple. Hey, I want you to have that hard conversation. Then you just do it. Hey, I want you to fast today. It's a holiday. We're having a family gathering. It's a feast. Just drink water and mill around and talk to people. Nobody will notice that you didn't eat except you. These are moments I've had with God in my life. Really? It's important. Okay. I have a hat. People make fun of me. It's my favorite hat. You've probably seen me wear it. It's Obey brand, skateboard brand. It says, Obey, Obey, Obey. You say you love God. Do you really love Him? How did Jesus define loving God? Obedience to his commands. You think Jesus wanted to hang on that cross? He asked him three times, is there any other way? Just checking. Not my will. Your will be done. Obey. That's what he wants. And I'm telling you, his commands are not burdensome. Took me a good 10 years to learn that. Okay, I'll obey. All right, I won't get drunk anymore, but I'm not happy about it. Just being honest. First few years, that's how I felt. I'm missing out. I'm, this life's hard. But once your heart's trained by wisdom, and you go, oh, <laughs> drunkenness was ruining my life, and I knew that. Wow. I do in the moment what feels like death to myself, 
And I get a few years from that, and my life just got blessings all over it. I'm happier. I'm not, wow, I'm not depressed. I don't want to take my own life anymore. Because when I would get drunk, I was happy for that night. But then I wake up, and I would suffer until the next time I got drunk, thinking thoughts about taking my own life. How does that work? So I repent, I get right with Jesus, and the moments feel like suffering and death to self. But I notice I'm just kind of happy about it all the time. I have joy. I don't think that way anymore. Why? Because Jesus set me free. All right, seriously, get back to the notes. So our mission statement as a church, we exist to help people get free from their sins, strongholds, and selves to live free in God's love. To put it real simple, get free, live free. Get free, live free. Learn how to live fully free with Jesus. It's a relationship. It's obedience. Walk in the freedom that he's purchased for you. And so this is what our new logo represents, our box logo. Do we have that again? Can we put that up, somebody, please? Jesus, help him. Oh, there it is. So our youth pastor, Jamie Warren, designed this. He said God gave it to him in the middle of the night. He just woke up and, boop, got this idea. And I believe him for what it's worth. And so <laughs> and so we talked about it. He designed this, and I love it. And um, it's a box with part of one side missing, which is an abstract representation of a broken chain link representing our freedom in Christ. But you'll notice the words in the side of the box, the free people. <laughs> Those words aren't meant to say it. They're, they're wanting to come on out, right? Because we're called to set people free and lead them out into the spacious place of God's freedom, our freedom in Christ. But it also represents that these free people are coming out of the boxes that we put God in. And part of the reason for our bondage in our day and age (laughs) is we have limited God through unbelief and religion and traditionalism and legalism and cessationism to the point that the Holy Spirit is just an idea we're to intellectually agree with instead of a person and a power to be experienced. And we teach our kids, we train our kids up in this stuff, and we help them create safe little boxes to keep God in. And then they wonder why they struggle with all the problems of the world as an adult. And the reason is their God is not big enough to destroy their strongholds because they've put them in all these little boxes. That's what that represents. We're free. And we're called to set people free. Which brings me to my next thing I want to talk to you about, which is our new kids' ministry. Um, because our old kids ministry was called Res Kids. It, you can't have a kids ministry called Res Kids if your name's not Resonance anymore, right? So that was a problem. So earlier this year, we we're like, well, we probably should change the name of our kids ministry too. And uh, we started talking about that. And Matt Lou, our associate pastor, and I were talking one day, and I was like, you know, it's too bad Hillsong's got that young and free thing because. You know, that'd be a great name. Young and free kids, that'd be great. And, and we were talking about it, and he said, yeah, later on in the conversation, he goes, yeah, you know, something like, or something like what you said, you know, that Hillsong stuff, that uh, wild and free stuff. Yeah, and I was like, hold up. What'd you just say? And he goes, you know, that Hillsong, the, the wild and free kids or youth or whatever. And I go, no, 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 it's young and free. And he goes, oh, well, that's what I meant. And I go, hold on. I like it. Wild and free, I like it. So I messaged our uh, our kids pastor April Goodrich, and I was like, "Hey, you know, let's let's meet in a week or two and and talk about names for the the new kids ministry." And she goes, "Oh, I got one, and, but yeah, I'll, I'll pray into it and and uh, see if God gives me anything else." And we, I said, "Well, I got one too, and we'll just see." And she's like, "All right." So we met like a few weeks later, and I said, "So what what name do you have?" Uh, what did you come up with? And she tells me the story. I'm reading this book and all this stuff, and and she she gets to it and she goes, "Yeah, so." Wild and free kids. What do you think? I was like, well, that's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and it was kind of a fluke thing with Matt. He just accidentally said it. And 
here we are. And so we took that as a mere coincidence. We're not naming the kids ministry that. Um, just kidding. <laughs> took that as confirmation. And we were like, that's it. And so our new kids ministry, I think we have a slide. Do we have a slide, somebody? Oh, there it is. Wild and Free Kids. And yeah. One of our... One of our guys, Chad Lewis, designed that for us, so he did a great job with that. Um, you'll notice there's a lion walking in the midst of the letters, and I'll talk about that here in a second. Wild and free kids. Wild and free kids. Um, I love the name when we talked about it. We confirmed, we're like, yeah. And just to be honest, I was like, man, it just sounds good, right? Just wild and free. Then I had this thought, you know, wild, the word wild can mean different things, especially to parents. <laughs> I was like, man, I hope we don't scare parents off from coming to our church. Like, put your kids in the wild and free kids. <laughs> like, they're going to think we're going to pump them up with Skittles. <laughs> they come out of there in their birthday suits. Like, wild and free, woo! They were naked and had no shame. Yeah, we know. That church is a little too free. And I was like, man, I don't, maybe not. I don't know about this. And so I Googled it, the definition of wild. And I learned that that kind of wild is not the primary definition. The primary definition of the word wild is this. Living or growing in the natural environment undomesticated. Do you know what the word domesticated means? I had to, I mean, I got the concept, right? But I had to look it up. It actually means this, to, to condition in order to bring under the control of and make usable to humans. <laughs> so put those two together. We want to raise up kids whose natural environment is the freedom of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Kids who are not conditioned to be brought under the control and made useful to human beings, but kids who are trained up to be influenced and made usable by God. And so that's what Wild and Free Kids is all about. There's a famous scene in the Chronicles of Narnia, where C.S. Lewis writes about the As Aslan the lion, who's an allegory of Jesus in that book. And he says this, he'll be coming and going. One day you'll see him and another you won't. He doesn't like being tied down. And of course, he has other countries to attend to. It's quite all right. He'll often drop in, only you mustn't press him. He's wild, you know, not like a tame lion. In another one of the books, a character Susan is asking about this Aslan, who's also the king of, of the world that they live in. And she asks Mr. Beaver, and he responds, Oh, Aslan, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he ain't safe, but he's good. Pretty good allegory. God is wild, but he's good. It's a pretty good description of the Holy Spirit. You can't tame him. He does what he wants. But you can trust him because he's good. And so we want to train up these little ones in the power of the presence of God, teaching them and training them in his word to live as adults in their natural environment, what they were created for, Amen. the wild, open spaces the freedom of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, my guess is that most of us in this room did not grow up in a phenomenal church in a youth ministry called Wild and Free Kids, right? And so most of us and most of the people we will reach as a church family grew up as slaves or captives, captivated by the world, captivated by sin, they find out that it's not working for them at some point. And we are called to help set them free. And today, God is calling you, he's calling me, he's calling our church family on a journey. Just like he called 
Abraham, just like he called Moses. It's a journey of coming out of your comfort zones to follow him into the unknown on this journey called faith on which we find the fullness of our freedom. Let me ask you a question. When were the Israelites free? Did they have to get all the way into the promised land and experience the milk and honey before they were free? That might have what they, been what they needed to feel like they were free. But when were they free? They were free in Egypt. The moment that Pharaoh said, I give. <laughs> I'm out. Y'all can leave. They're free. Prison doors wide open. That's salvation. You are free in Christ. He sets you free. But the moment you get saved, you're not experiencing the fullness of the freedom that he offers to you. That's what we would call the promised land. And he's inviting you on a journey. You got to follow him on that journey. And it's a journey of learning to trust God. Because I'll be honest with you, in this life, that's my definition of freedom. Trusting God. Trusting God. Trusting God. Your life could be horrible. You could be in a desert. All you have to eat is manna. Seems like the world's against you. But if you trust God, he's good. He's got a plan. He's doing something. He's going to work this for good. That promised land is coming. He's teaching us something here. I trust him. You're free. You're free. And so it's a journey where we've got to learn how to trust God. And he wants us to experience the fullness of his freedom. So he's leading our church on that journey. We're starting that journey today, man. And I hope you go on this journey with us. And so we're changing our name because it's significant of that journey. It's important. We're not just changing our name so that people can actually pronounce the new one. It is a new identity. It's defined by the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Because where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. It's defined by the presence of God. And so Jesus said in John 12, 24, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And probably over a year ago when we were praying into all this stuff, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Aaron, resonance is a seed. And it has all the DNA to, for the new thing and what it will become. But if you want to see the fruit, you've got to plant that thing in the ground and it's got to die. And you've got to let it go. So we honor everything that resonance was today, but we're planting it in the ground because we're growing into something new, and the something new is called free people. I had a moment at a conference a few months ago. It was the same conference where the Holy Spirit really uh, touched me in a really powerful way, which I've told that story a few times. But this was actually the day before that at the conference, and I was thinking about our name change and everything coming up in our church, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me real clear, and he said, Aaron, Resonance must die. And I was like, I know, Lord. Like, what are you trying to tell me? And what he was saying is, the way you did church as resonance, whatever our concept of God was as resonance, we've got to lay that all down. Why? Because this journey, we're stepping into the fullness. And as we go on this journey, some people might get kind of uncomfortable and go, ooh, this is new. You know, I, don't, I liked it better inside that box. God felt safer to me in there. And we're getting out of the box. And we're just experiencing the fullness of God. And you might go, whoa, this is different. This is different. Holy Spirit didn't just used to show up and go crazy and everybody gets free without anybody praying for him. It didn't used to happen. It's kind of weird. I don't know if I like it. We didn't used to do that. And so if you're going to go on this journey with us, 
you got to be willing to let go of whatever resonance was. And we cherish the spiritual DNA, the gospel, the healing, the miracles, the salvation we saw as resonance, and we saw them. But we got to let go of that so that we can truly be free people. I was in that moment with God. He said, resonance must die. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm ready. We've been playing this for like a year. I'm so ready for it to, to go away and be the new thing. And, but I started feeling nostalgic. I started feeling like, oh, man. You know, when you start a church, it's like a baby. It's like a child to you. You're like, man, it's kind of going to go away in a sense. You know, it's not what it was. And, man, I, you kind of look back on those good times that you had as the old thing. And now I was kind of thinking that. And I was getting kind of like nostalgic about it. And the Lord spoke to me real clear to encourage me about the future. And he said this. And as soon as he said it, I knew it was true. <laughs> he said, Aaron, resonance was the best that you could do for me. And he said it like he, with gratitude, like he appreciated it. I appreciate what you did. Resonance was the best that you could do. For me, he said, free people is the best that I can do through you. I said, okay, then I'm all in. I think Mark Batterson says prayer is the difference between the best you can do. And the best God can do. And how many of you know that's a very, 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 very big difference. And so there is a powerful move of the Holy Spirit coming in and through this church. We will reach multitudes for Jesus. We will disciple nations. I can't really say anymore because I can't even conceive what God's about to do. In and through our church. But that's the difference between the best we can do and the best he can do. And that's why we're giving him full reign, full leadership, full surrender. Do what you want. You tell us, we do it. Make space for the Holy Spirit to move. Let me give you one example. One, just one example. A few years ago, we had a Freedom night, worship night, preaching, testimonies. This young lady walks through the back door, didn't grow up in church, was not a believer in Jesus. I get up to speak at one point, and she leans over to her mother-in-law and goes, who's that? She goes, well, that's the pastor here. She goes, I know him. She goes, how do you know? She goes, well, I've never met him, but I had a dream the other night. He was in it. We talked about God. Got to the end of that service. We gave an invitation. She gave her life to Jesus. Here lately, give the spirit more reign in our church, more freedom for God to do his thing. We have people coming in, getting healed, just sitting in church. They don't even come up and get prayer. What do you want? You want men to do what they can do? Or do you want God to show up and do what he can do? That's the difference. But if we want that, we got to be all his. We got to be fully surrendered, fully consecrated, set apart. Letting him have his way and do his thing. So I want to close in prayer. And I felt led to pray very specifically this morning. If you're on our ministry team, come on up to the front to prepare to pray for people. I'm just going to kneel down and just dedicate this to the Lord. <sighs> yes, God. Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> it says that we can enter God's presence with freedom and confidence. Freedom and confidence. And then starting in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason... <laughs> Because we can enter his presence with freedom and confidence, I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Could you put some prayer music on as well as we prepare to have an invitation here? God, whoo, Jesus. God, we want your fullness. All the fullness of God. We want your will. We want your leadership. As Moses prayed in the desert, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And how will anyone know that you're pleased with us unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us from all the other people on the face of the earth except your presence, God? We want your presence. We want your fullness. We want your freedom. We know your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so God, we give you this church. Jesus, you are the lead pastor of this church. And I thank you for that. God, I pray that you would empower this church. I pray that you would pour out your spirit. Isaiah 44 verse 3, that you would pour out your water on the thirsty ground and your blessing on our offspring, our spiritual children and our natural children, that you would pour out your spirit on them, that from a young age they would know the freedom of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a very real relationship with you through communion with the Holy Spirit. They would receive gifts from the Holy Spirit that they would fan them into flame and be a part of a church family that blesses that, that doesn't shame them for that and go, that's weird, don't do that. No, we bless that in you. We love that in you. Do it again. Get up on stage and do it. Yes, fan it into flame. Thank you, God, for your gifts. Pour them out on this people, God. Jesus. God, I just ask you to come right now and pour out your spirit. Baptize this church in fire, (laughs) in power. We no longer want to have a form of godliness, but deny the power. And so we depend on you. It's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the Lord. God, I thank you for your indwelling spirit that you've given us. You give the spirit without limit. So we are the limiters, God. And so right here and now, God, I consecrate myself to you. Set me apart for your special purpose. I consecrate this church to you. Free people. We set it apart for your special purpose, God. Jesus. Would you guys just stand with me? Oh, God, we thank you for today. And God, we ask you that you would show us your glory. Show us your glory, God. Set us free fully so that we can set people free in your name. Let us be able to say like Jesus in Isaiah 61, the spirit of God is on me and he's anointed me to proclaim freedom and to set captives free. I just want to invite you today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you here in a minute to just step up front, pray with one of our prayer team members. I feel like the Lord's saying, have, have them kneel down. So if, if prayer team, if you can make some room at the stage here to just make a little altar for people. If you need freedom in your physical body, 
Jesus healed people and he said, you are free from your suffering. Physical health issues keep people in bondage. They keep people in pain. And so if you need free from a physical health issue, I want to invite you to come. Kneel down. Receive healing from Jesus. If you have depression, anxiety in your life, if you feel like you're not yourself today and you're just struggling and you want freedom from that, I want to invite you to come and kneel down up front and our prayer team will pray over you. They'll just come by and bless you. If you want someone, you need to talk to someone, just don't kneel down. Just go straight to a person and start, start sharing your heart and they can pray over you. Yes, God. Go ahead and start coming if you want and we'll dismiss here in just a minute. God, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit poured out. Thank you for this journey. Thank you for freedom, Jesus. Thank you for freedom. We celebrate your freedom today. And all God's people said, amen, amen.